G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Friends, we want you to learn God's Word and put it into practice because by so doing, you will not be living on sinking sand. You will be on the rock and able to withstand all of life's storms. That's what this is all about. So welcome as we learn more, verse by verse, about this glorious Gospel of John, which was written not just merely to tell the life story of Jesus, No, the Gospel of John is an apologetic. It is summarized in chapter 20, verse 31. It was written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in his name. So the Gospel of John is for food, for the faith. It is actually feeding our faith that we'll believe Jesus' identity that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of David, the anointed of the anointed, the soon coming king, and that what by believing in him, we will have life abundantly in his name. Wonderful goal and very achievable. That's why I encourage you to listen on. Our lesson is called Prayer for the Disciples. It is based on John 17, verses 11 to 19. We're in the midst of Jesus' great intercessory high priestly prayer. I say high priestly because he is called our high priest and the apostle of our confession. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. And so that's what he's doing here. We are always on his prayer list, whether we know it or not, and whether we feel like it or not. He ever lives to make intercession for us. But I always encourage people to open up to the Holy Spirit, to come to the river drink of the river and keep drinking, because according to Romans chapter 8, when we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays through us and for us. He becomes, in essence, another divine intercessor, just as he is another divine comforter. And so you have then two members of the glorious Godhead interceding on your behalf. So here we go. Prayer for the Disciples from John 17, 11 to 19. Let's look at a few verses here from our segment. We'll begin with verse 14. I have given them thy word. This is Jesus praying, by the way. And the world hath hated them 
because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. All right, there's a lot that's been said here, and we will unpack more of it as we go along. But for now, keep a few points in mind. Jesus says he has given the disciples the word of God. Now, when you have the word of God, it is food for your faith, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. It is sincere milk to the baby Christian. It is strong meat to the mature Christian. And even for the pre-Christian, it is as good seed when engrafted into the heart saves the soul. It's also like a sword, quick, powerful, and sharp. Many metaphors to describe God's word. But what happens is when you receive the word, like the sword, it separates you from the world. Let me say that again. When you receive God's word, it will separate you from the world. And we're talking about not planet Earth. We're talking about the world system, the cosmos, the order of the world. And it says, basically, that when you no longer belong to the world, it hates you, just as it hated Jesus because he's in the world but not of it. He then goes on to say, God, I'm not praying you will take them out of the world. I am praying you'll keep them from the evil or the evil one. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer too. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's now look at the entire portion of John chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Our lesson is called Prayer for the Disciples, based on John 17, 11 to 19. Let's listen carefully to God's Word. And by the way, this is Jesus praying, all in red. And now I am no more in the world, but these, meaning the disciples, are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. A reading is from John seventeen, eleven to 19 And our lesson is called Prayer for the Disciples. Well, here we go. John 17. Verse 11, no more in the world. 
Jesus is praying his great high priestly intercessory prayer here in John 17. Intercession is prayer in the Holy Spirit on behalf of others. Mature spiritual Christians should be, by their very nature, great intercessors. Because after all, maturity is that we don't just think about ourselves or that our prayer life is totally self-centered. What about me? Give me this. Help me in that. No, maturity is we actually take responsibility and care for others. And in fact, the more you attend to the Heavenly Father's business and pray and minister to others, guess what? The more that God will take care of your business, your needs, your wants, your desires, God will take care of you. It's basically a fulfillment of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, one of the most often quoted verses that I do on these programs. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The all these things means your needs, temporal needs, spiritual needs, eternal needs, everything God will take care of when you put him, his kingdom, his righteousness first. Intercession is part of the way we do precisely that. We are praying for God to help others, whether it's people we know or a community or Lord knows our nation. And can I just say in the midst of all the turmoil in the Western world, particularly of the furious incendiary culture wars, there is only one solution to this challenge. And that solution is revival. And revival comes by fervent intercession, prayer, and, where necessary, repentance. The classic verse on revival is Second Chronicles 7.14. Second Chronicles 7.14 begins with, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. God goes on to say that he will, from heaven, forgive sins and heal the land. Yes, that's the solution. Prayer, intercession, repentance, all these things lead to revival. I encourage you to head for that end. So here we go. This is a model prayer for intercessors and for those who are called to be intercessors, people who are prayer warriors, people who care about the kingdom of God, people who simply care about others and want to see God touch lives in a powerful way. Now, in the last lesson, Jesus Christ prayed that the Father would glorify him so he could glorify the Father in return. Now, in this lesson, Christ speaks about his imminent departure from the world and return to the Father and to heavenly glory. Now he asks God to keep the disciples in his name, who God has given him. He is praying that the disciples will have oneness or unity, just as the Father and the Son have oneness and unity. God's name has great keeping power, since it is the highest name in the universe, and therefore has power to preserve those that are blessed to be under its protection. As I said, God's name has great keeping power. That's why Jesus prayed here, Keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Well, let's go on to John seventeen 
twelve. I kept them. Jesus comments that while he was with them in the world, he kept the disciples in God's name. The Lord faithfully kept these disciples whom God has given him, and none of them were lost except the son of perdition. Now, first of all, perdition means appointed to total destruction. Who do you think the son of perdition is? Yes, it's Judas Iscariot. But even this tragic situation of a lost soul named Judas had one redemptive purpose, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And what scriptures? I'll give you three of them. Psalm 41, verse 9. Psalm 109, verse 8. And Acts chapter 1, verse 20. The treason of the wise counselor Ahithophel against David was a prelude to treachery of Judas Iscariot against David's son, namely Jesus. The story goes that when Absalom usurped his father's throne, David's counselor Ahithophel sided with Absalom, and Ahithophel was very brilliant. He gave counsel as if he was in the presence of God. David's prayer was that Ahithophel's wise counsel would be turned to foolishness. And David's friend Hushai the Archite was used to subvert Ahithophel's wise counsel to Absalom because Absalom was slated for destruction by the Lord. So, in other words, the treason of Ahithophel towards his friend David is a prelude of the treason of Judas Iscariot against the son of David, Jesus. Just want to reemphasize that point. John seventeen thirteen. I come to you. Now that Jesus will be physically departed from the ones God has given him and return to God, he is speaking words of life. The end result of receiving Christ's word is that they may have joy, peace, victory, and abundant life. In John seventeen fourteen, he speaks of given the word. Christ had given the word to the disciples, and we are witnesses to this over the last several chapters, these various discourses. The word has separated the disciples from the world. Think of Hebrews 4, verse 12, which I alluded to earlier, that God's word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, because of this separation, the world hates them since they are no longer part of the world any more than Christ is part of the world. This is one of the big challenges we as Christians face and have always faced. And it's something that ancient Israel, especially in the Old Testament, had the similar thing. We all want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want to be part of the in crowd. But when you come to Jesus, you will not be acceptable to the world. Indeed, it is impossible. And just remember this, even though the world rejects what you stand for, you're in great company. You're the company of the priests, the prophets, the righteous kings, the apostles, and most of all, Jesus. I mean, think about it. And again, I love using the metaphor of the Titanic. The Titanic represents the best this world has to offer, but the world's best is not good enough, and it does have a use-by date, and the parking meter is ready to expire. Loving the world and wanting acceptance of the world is like 
cleaving to the deck chairs of the Titanic after it hit the iceberg. There's no future on a stricken Titanic. There is no future in a fallen world. Remember, if you seek to keep up with the times, one person aptly put it, you will go the way that all times go. Therefore, we need to remember to not please the world, but to please God. So the world hates them because they're no longer part of the world. And now the prayer goes into verse 15. Christ does not want to take his followers out of the world. Why not? Especially since he is leaving the world. He will be on a holy mission preparing a place for us while he's in heaven. He'll be interceding for us. Jesus will be dispatching the Holy Spirit of truth to us. He will be pretty full on when he returns to heavenly splendor. If we, the followers of Christ, are taken out of the world prematurely, we could not shine our light, and there would be total spiritual darkness. Plus, we're the salt of the earth, and there'd be total corruption because salt helps to prevent such corruption. We could not witness gospel grace. We would miss out on the wonderful opportunities of ministry to the nations. Like elite crack troops who parachute behind enemy lines, the believer in the world gets to counter the darkness of the devil with God's glorious light. Christ does not pray for us to be kept from evil, but he prays for us to be kept from the evil one. And it's John twelve thirty one, John fourteen thirty, John sixteen eleven. This protection from the evil one is echoed in the Lord's Prayer. God's power keeps us from corruption, worldliness, apostasy, which means falling away from God, and ungodliness in general. And then there is sanctification. Followers of Jesus are in the world, but not of the world, just like Jesus. And then John seventeen seventeen, very important verse. Sanctification means to be set apart for God's holy purpose. Here Jesus speaks about separating and the sanctifying power of God's word. He calls God's word truth. So just remember, we learned that Jesus is truth, John fourteen six, the Holy Spirit is truth, John sixteen thirteen, and now God's word is truth, John seventeen seventeen. These are the three pillars of truth. Embrace all three of them. That's Christ the Spirit, and the Word, and you'll be safely and securely protected from the darkness of deception. John seventeen eighteen, the apostles, not used in this verse explicitly, but that's what it is. Apostles means those who are chosen, empowered, and sent by God. Jesus chose and sent the apostles. The Lord himself is called the apostle and high priest in Hebrews 3, verse 1. Now in this great intercessory prayer, he reiterates that just as God sent Christ into the world, so he sends his apostles into the world. Finally, John seventeen nineteen, sanctify myself. Since Jesus was already sanctified, what did he mean by I sanctify myself? The Greek word for sanctify is hagios, which means to make holy, sanctified, consecrated. John Chrysostom, the golden-mouthed preacher from Constantinople, speaks of offering himself in sacrifice. This seems to be a reasonable interpretation. This self-sanctification was for the sake of the disciples that they, in turn, would be sanctified by the truth. Now, our lesson is called Prayer for the Disciples. 
And our lesson for life is with Christ in heaven and his followers on earth. Never forget that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us to fulfill God's will in our lives. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.